Hello, Mel. How are you? I'm good. I would just like everyone to know <laughs> from the outset that you just said, I'm sorry, I've got coffee breath, and you were literally like a <laughs> metre or more away from me. I'm worried I'm going to project my coffee breath <laughs> this onto you. of coffee breath over this direction. You think so far away from your microphone. Yeah, because I'm the loudest human being. I'm mm. so sorry to everybody who had to deal with Summerton Man <laughs> and me just screeching into the microphone because I was so shocked. Yes, it was shocking. There I know that's two episodes shocking, ago now. There were many shocking facts <laughs> revealed. Yes. Yeah, so that. anyway, so I'm leaning very far back because I'm obviously a projector. Yeah. And, and I'm no not. Yeah. I always thought I was. Yeah. But apparently I have a soothing voice in the podcast. You do. I've had several people tell me that Which you have a so soothing weird. voice. Which is so weird. I hate my nasal little Newcastle accent. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thanks to everyone for all your nice words on the group. Yes, our Facebook group. If you're not a member already, hit it up at the pedestrian.tv Facebook page. Yep. It's obviously the All Aussie Mystery Hour podcast group. Join, come and discuss things. We're literally always in there. We're like, such losers. We, I am... I am, <laughs> I feel like, the bigger loser because I'm always approving people. Yeah. And I literally... You prove them within one minute. Literally within a minute. If it's over a minute, I want you to tell me because I don't think I've – I think that my record for length has mm. been like a minute and 30 seconds. I actually seconds. saw someone that waited eight minutes to get <gasps> approved and I did it. Oh. And I was like, that's poor form from us. We're usually on it. I'm so sorry that was. <laughs> but anyway, so we, we love all of you. Yeah. Thanks for joining. Uh, we put things in there like – bunch yeah. of photos, stories. Just anything related to the last episode, really. Yeah. But you can chat about other shit. Yeah. We've been talking about Teacher's Pet today mm-hmm. because they're obviously re-digging up Lynn Dawson's backyard, which is epic Yeah, and massive. And, God, I really hope they find some shit there. Yeah. And I mean that for, like, solving the case, not for I me know. just being – but also for me just yeah. being interested. Yeah. <laughs> but also because I genuinely But also care. for the family so yeah. they know – what happened? I'm a garbage human, but I'm a garbage human with a heart. Okay. (laughs) A heart of gold. (laughs) A heart of garbage. Um, So that's there. And also make sure you rate us. Oh, yes, please do. Give us a five star rating. Subscribe. Tell your friends. We're desperate for approval, guys. We're desperate for success, (laughs) approval, love, all of it. All of it. Um, But we're shameless about it. Oh, yeah. We readily admit that we're hungry for this. We will beg you. (laughs) We are begging you right now. (laughs) But anyway, thank you for all your support. It's been great. Yeah, it's been really nice. Um, And we're doing this for you guys, but also ourselves. We're really not doing it for you guys. We're really (laughs) doing it for ourselves. But also, it's nice that everyone's along for the ride. Mm. And we're sort of all in it together. I imagine we're like this big, happy family. Mm that will hopefully never turn toxic. <laughs> but for now, it's like this nice little family of people that just really like Aussie mysteries. Yes, in a in a not-sicko way. Um, so we've covered a lot of quite famous mysteries. Yeah. Like, obviously, Beaumont Kids, Azaria Chamberlain, Summerton Man, those in particular come to mind as very yeah, well-known globally well-known mysteries, but I decided to pick a lesser-known one today, which could be risky. Mm-hmm. But I Well, I've like never heard of it. You'd never heard of it, but I feel like people... It's interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting case. So I, I hope that you find it interesting as well. 
But I'm sorry, it's not one of the big A-list mysteries, everyone. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a gold-class Everyone's mystery. Everyone's begging us for Harold Holt. He's coming. He's coming. Josie is so excited. Yeah, I'm excited about it, but... Um, I think we need to talk about lesser-known ones too. So that's what I'm doing today. I'm doing The Abduction of Jordana Katevsky, which happened in 1994. So I was nine, and it happened in Newcastle. Which is where you grew up. Which is where I'm from. So it's something that I remember really vividly. And I often think, like, how did I become so obsessed with mysteries and true crime, (laughs) but also, like, crime fiction as well? And I can trace it all back to being a kid, hearing about this case, hearing about Port Arthur, Mm. reading Nancy Drew mysteries. Like, I've always just been fascinated with this. But I often, like, she'll just pop into my head the name Jordana Katevsky. There was a time when this happened where you couldn't go anywhere without hearing people talking about it and wondering what happened to her. Which is wild because as someone who grew up in Sydney, Mm. I'd never even heard of the case. And I'm sure it was in the news. Mm. But as a kid, because we're about the same age, so I would have been, yeah, like a kid. And we in Sydney just didn't. Yeah. Whereas Port Arthur, for example. Oh, huge. Absolutely. That same for me. Like, I remember that very vividly. Mm. I remember not knowing 100% about the importance of the gun laws changing and all of that, but I just remember it being this terrifying, Mm. like, horrific event that everyone was talking about. Yeah. Um, And when I was researching this case for the podcast, I did read something that a, like, government person, like a Newcastle government member was saying um, that the Sydney media had picked up on it at first, but then they forgot about it after, like, a week. Mm. But it was still all over the Newcastle papers. And the reason it's in my mind again is a few months ago I went back to Newcastle for a visit. We were heading home and we were getting a coffee first. And there was a Sunday paper there at the cafe and there was her name and her photo. And the photo of her is, like, pretty iconic in Newcastle. I saw it and I was like, oh, my God, have they found her? Like, is there an update? And it was just that true crime thing that they're doing in the Sunday papers, yeah, and they're like looking at all these cold cases. Yeah, well, I think that the, I think the police are doing that as mm. well. Like, they, there was this thing a little while ago where they've reopened like every cold case. Yeah, which is seems extreme, but I guess it's great. You yes. know, I think it's probably coming off the back. We were literally just talking about this in the group yeah. today about how you know the Lynn Dawson case mm. and teachers' pet. Also, the Bowerville, mm. this stuff's just, I mean, really sad news from Bowerville is that, I mean, this is old news now when you guys are listening to this, but mm. basically their appeal got overturned, so they're not right. going to get to reopen the case against mm. this guy. But um, basically, like, how podcasts and tr- the true crime mm. obsession and the documentaries and all the stuff coming out of that is, like, shining a light back on cold cases yeah. and, like, dredging up new facts and so on. So and puts probably a bit more too. pressure on the police like mm. to look back into it. Even over in America with Adnan. Yes, exactly. Syed. Is that yeah. how you say it? The serial. Serial yeah. season one. So he was granted a retrial. Yeah. Because the facts of the trial were that the trial sucked. The trial was shit. <laughs> it was fucking shit. Do it again. Do it again and see if you have enough evidence to put a guy in prison for life. Yeah. Um, so, yes, she was on the front of the paper. So I thought I'll do it for the podcast because it really affected me and it's just really interesting. And I learned things that I didn't know. Really? While I was researching, yeah. So 
it was the 24th of November, 1994. Jordana Katevsky was 16 years old. She was just a few days off turning 17. And she did what all bored teenagers do in Newcastle on a Thursday night. She went Thursday night shopping at Charlestown Square. <laughs> it's just so, it's so relatable because it's what, even in the noughties when I was her age, yeah. there was nothing to do. Like if you weren't 18, you didn't have a fake ID, you didn't like sneak out. Some of my friends did. I didn't. I was a good girl. <laughs> there was just nothing to do like at night. Um, you just kind of stayed home. But on Thursday nights, the shops were open till nine. So you'd go down there. Even if you had no money, you'd yeah, just kind of say, wander we around. Anything, or you'd just, just kind of wander around. And there'd be kids from like other schools, like other local teens. And you'd be kind of like, I remember like passing a guy. What? Yeah, from another school. Just like, you'd just. Just passing a guy just, like, in like a up. mall. Yeah. It was. <laughs> It was weird. Was it like in Mean Girls? You know the Mean Girls scene, and they're like at the fountain in the like mall, and they're all just kind of, but yeah. less glamorous. Yeah, you just kind of rock around there. It's like mall rats. You just yeah. hang out okay. at the mall. Um, and Charlestown Square is like the biggest shopping centre in Newcastle. There's also a Westfield in Katara, which is like a suburb away. Mm-hmm. But the Charlestown Square is even bigger now. But back then, it was it's kind of the place to be. Just shits on the Westfield. Oh yeah, um, and so. For a bit of background, both of those suburbs are really close to where I grew up. So mm-hmm. Charlestown, where this happened, was two suburbs away from where I lived at the time and yeah. where I grew up. My mum still lives. So she was excited because her parents, Peggy and Branko, they were quite strict Macedonian immigrant parents, but they'd given her permission to go and see Boys to Men in concert oh, on the weekend. So she was there with a mission. She was going to get an outfit to wear. She was with her friend, Betty Kokomanovsky. And during the night at Charlestown, she got a black dress and some stockings and she lay by a new pair of swimmers lay for summer. <laughs> what we did before after yes. pay. <laughs> I know. I used to let, like me and my best mate, Al, who listens to the podcast, mm-hmm. hi, Al, we would just go and like lay by things and then we'd never pay them off. We'd go to like <laughs> Wild Surf Co. and get like a Mambo t-shirt that was $30 yeah, like and lay by it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, how much could a Mambo t-shirt possibly I know, cost? it was weird. And then we'd just never pick it up. I think it was just, like, fun about lay-buying yeah. things at the time. It was like, I've got this, but I don't I've even, like, it. have it in, have my, it in my possession oh my yet. God. But if it I will be. I teen now with access to Afterpay. Oh, God. Like, rip my bank account, I my know, parents' my bank parents. accounts, my grandparents' <laughs> bank accounts, like, everything. Gone. I'd probably be in jail. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like fraud. Theft. <laughs> Credit card theft. Um... Anyway, yeah, that's what she did. So when she was done shopping, she was to walk down to her aunt and uncle's place, which was just across the road and down the hill from Charlestown Square. I looked it on Google Maps. It's about a seven-minute walk from Charlestown Square to Powell Street, which is where her aunt and uncle lived. So her friend Betty did offer to drop her home, but she declined, which I hate about these stories. Yeah. Like, same with Jill Ma when it's like... Yeah, it's like they could have... Someone offered but, to... But it's so normal to say no, no in that situation. yeah, totally. It's that close. Like, and she, I feel like she did it quite regularly from what I yeah. gathered from my research yeah. into this case. So but you just, if you're Betty, you'd just be like, oh, my God. I, I know. Like, oh, it's not Betty's awful. fault at all. Like but she would feel that, yeah, and that's what's so shit. Would. I hate that. I mm. really hate that. Um, so a bit of background, Charlestown, in this kind of area. It's a safe suburb. It's not, like, super upper class. Um, I would call it upper working class to middle class, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from the shopping centre, it's just, like, suburbia, family homes, some bushland. 
And then through the middle of it is the Pacific Highway. So Mm. she had to cross that main road to get down to her aunt's place. So it was about 8.45 when she said goodbye to Betty. And it was daylight saving. So it would have been getting dark, but it wouldn't have been pitch black. And as she made her way down Powell Street, a group of four teenage boys were skateboarding and they noticed her. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were just like, she's hot. Because like she was really, really pretty. over there. Yeah. Uh, they were probably checking her out, to be honest. And another woman, a uh, local woman named Audrey Barnard, who was in her 60s, she lived in the same area and she was driving in Powell Street and she also saw Jordana walking down the hill. She comes into play a bit later on. That always, like, shocks me when people... Okay, so the boys I get because, yeah. they're prob- like you said, they're probably checking her out. Yeah, yeah. But I cannot tell you anyone that I have seen I today. I think if mm. I think back, I remember seeing there was a woman at the coffee shop wearing, like, a jumpsuit with, like, a suit-shaped top part yeah. of it. I remember her because the jumpsuit was really unique looking and I was kind of looking at it, you yeah. know, like, interested, where's that from vibe. Mm. But other than that, I have no fucking idea who I walked past today. No clue. If someone said to me, oh, you walked past this woman in a red dress today, can mm. you tell me anything about her? I'd be like, no, I can't because I'm never thinking about anyone else. I'm no. always just thinking about myself. Same. I'm so self-absorbed. I'm so self-absorbed in the mornings. My life is so much more important than everyone else's. <laughs> All of my struggles, which are so minor. <laughs> I'm just in my own head with my anxiety, just dealing with my own yep. shit. But that's what always shocks me when somebody mm, can, remember. can remember. It's great. Like, yeah. good trait to have. Like, passing someone unless there was something particularly yeah. noticeable about them. Yeah. Well, she did say to police that mm. her eyes were drawn to Jordana because she was so pretty. Okay. Um, and she noted that Jordana, and I quote, had a real spring in her step like the world was wonderful. Which oh, actually so breaks sad. my heart because of what I'm about to tell yeah. you. Um, so, yeah, she kind of, like, she was drawn to her. Yeah, okay. Um, and, like, the way she was walking and everything. So, Jordana's aunt, whose name's Sonia Samonovich, she was helping her daughter with her homework that night. And she heard some loud screams from out on the street. So, at first she thought it was just kids, like the skateboarding kids or whatever. But she started to feel concerned because they were female screams mm. and they continued for more than 30 seconds. Yeah. So it wasn't just like, Meh! it was like going on for a while. So she like got her husband, Greg, good move, Sonia. Like, I never do anything without <laughs> someone else with me. <laughs> Super feminist of us. I but. know. Like, even if it's another girl. I'm yeah, true, like, true. Like, I'm don't not, go out alone. I'm not going to check anything. I'm such a scaredy cat. So she was clearly like, Greg, come with me. Yeah. Um, what's going on out here. So when they got to the street, they didn't see anything except a white Toyota Hilux four-wheel drive that was driving slowly away from the direction of their house back up the hill. Mm. So when they couldn't see anyone in danger, they just thought it was the local kids and they went back inside. Um, But then after 9 p.m., Jordana's older sister, Carolina, who was 22 at the time, she called the house looking for Jordana. So this is all very, like, 90s... Like house calls. house calls, like no mobiles, no texts. Those punch phones that were like, yeah, dialing. God. Um, so she was in town in Newcastle visiting from Sydney where she lived. She had her baby daughter, Jordana's niece Stevie, with her. And she figured that Jordana would want to see Stevie, but then Sonia told Carolina that Jordana wasn't there yet. But then I guess as she said those words, she was like, well, she kind of should be here. Yeah. So then um, Sonia phoned Jordana's best friend, Belinda Milkovich, um, to see if Jordana was there, but she wasn't. 
Yeah. So then it was about 9.30 and Sonia was, had a bad feeling. So she grabbed Greg, went back out onto the street, and that's when they found Jordana's purse, like her handbag, and the shopping bag that she'd been carrying, the handle was torn. Mm. So police are like, that kind of indicates there was a bit of a struggle yeah. there. So that had the clothes and everything in it that she'd bought. Jordana Katevsky was never seen again. She had disappeared just 30 metres from her oh, aunt God, and uncle's so house. Terrifying. I hate when it's close. Yeah. It's and like that they that, heard it. Yeah. It's like that story. And this is such an car. aside. That Ted Bundy story that I always oh. go on to you about. Yep. Well, we always go on to each other about, yeah. to be honest. About, um, the 30 metres. Yeah. And it's the girl and she was walking from her friend's house. Or from a from Boyfriend. a party boyfriend's house yeah. to her place in, mm. through a back alley, and it was like literally in the twenty meters, and people yep. saw her up until yep. she walked into a dark patch, mm-hmm. and then literally from there it would have been like yeah, like yep. twenty meters, and that's when he got her. Yep. It's just fucked. and no one heard anything with that one. Yeah, it was just like one second she was there, and then she wasn't. Oh, God. He actually goes into detail of how he did that. Have oh, you really? read that No, because I stopped reading. But I think I had to go and do something for Dumb Book Club. Yeah. Annoying. Well, and when so he finally stops pretending that he's innocent, he does give police some details about how he pulled off some oh, of them. I Don't tell he, me. I think he just whacked her over the head, oh. which is horrible. But with some of them, he approached them and said, I am, I have a broken arm. Yeah. Help me. But the thing is, is like, I think when it's that close, mm. there's an extra element of terror because... It's it's not like this weird dark alley in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. Yeah, blah blah blah. It's it you know neighborhood yeah. area. People can hear you, mm. but it's all sounds that you know. Like I think we were talking about this the other day, like just casually about how you know um, there are sounds that mm. would indicate a struggle, but they mm. could also, like you said, indicate kids playing kids. or indicate someone just screaming and no one wants to butt into everyone else's yeah. business, which is almost to a fault. We're yeah, especially concerned. in this kind of suburb. It's very, like, family. Yeah. Like, oh, we don't want to, like, maybe they're having a fight next door. We yes. won't get involved. Well, this is like, like, I'm, like we keep re- referencing Teacher's Pet, which, like, Mm-mm. isn't even our podcast. <laughs> but, like, that's the whole thing with Lynn Dawson and stuff was, like, you know, her and... It was Chris, right? Chris Dawson. There's Chris yes. and there's another brother, Paul. But it was Chris mm. was her husband, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Um, but they were the creepy twins. The creepy oh, teacher that twins. That is so bizarre to me. Anyway, Chris and <laughs> Lynn used to have all these fights and things, and there's that story about the neighbour that sees Lynn pushed up against, like, the trampoline, and Chris is, like, really dominating over her Yeah. in this conversation. And the neighbour's like, but I didn't want to get involved because you just didn't do that. Yeah. And yep. it was like, I... It's not good that we don't do that. I think now maybe in this mm. day and age with the like more awareness on domestic violence and that sort of thing we would, but it's that thing of like that's mm. their personal life. Yeah. I'm not going to be a nosy parker. Yeah. I'll just keep to myself. Yeah. So it makes sense that they didn't interfere. Like, you know, they just saw the, the car going off and just assumed everything mm. was fine because why wouldn't it be? Yeah. And later when the police question everyone the area, some people closer to that spot mm. said that they heard male grunts of exertion oh. and three car doors slamming after the screaming. But then again, that could just be like we're moving furniture. Be, yeah, or, or like, like a naughty kid and the dad being like, get in the car. Yeah. And then we're slamming doors, we're driving off. Like you don't automatically go to, someone's being abducted outside because exactly. you never believe that's going to happen. No, and especially not in that happen. area. In that area, to you, to your family. Horrible. It's so sad. It's so sad. Um, but when the police were called... Um, 
at that point, they questioned the boys that had been skateboarding and it transpired that they had seen the white Hilux as well that Sonia mm. and Greg had seen. So they'd seen it going the other way, slowly following Jordana as she walked down oh, the God. street. Um, not... They, you know, it was just behind her. They didn't go, that car's following that girl. Okay, I was going to say, because like, that's the thing that you Yeah, could, they were just yeah. like, oh, there's a girl, and then behind her is a car. Yeah. Um, and then when it got down the hill, it stopped, made a U-turn, and parked on the side of the road. And the boys said there were two men inside the car. Which, again, creepy in hindsight. Yeah. At the time. But at the time, it's just a men car are allowed parking. to drive. Right. <laughs> um, then, just going forward a bit, but in 1998... Um, there was a strike force called Strike Force Fenwick and they were looking into the abduction. And so Audrey Barnard, who's that local mm-hmm. woman I mentioned before, when she was questioned again, she said that she had seen a white Hilux as well uh, just after she saw Jordana walking. She said it was parked and that two young men were standing near it. She told Toronto Court during a 2002 inquest, I am certain of the make of vehicle because my husband only recently died and he had a Toyota Hilux, which he had used on our farm. I saw two figures standing at the rear. They were half turned towards each other and they were moving their arms about in an animated fashion. Mm. So that was just after she saw... I don't That's really weird. understand the timeline there, but she says she saw two guys and the boys said they saw two guys in the car. Um, so that's that. Were, they were the only kind of witnesses yeah. to Jordana's last movement. So Jordana was a good girl. She had strict parents. She didn't go out much. She didn't drink or do drugs. And the family and Jordana's friends couldn't think of a reason why this might have happened until Belinda, she was the first one to go, hang on, Jordana had recently complained of a guy following her in the months prior to her disappearance. And she had nicknamed him the spook. Oh, that's so creepy. Yeah. I've got like shivers and I know this I don't like, ugh. The spook is like spook. a very creepy name. It's super spooky. I guess that's actually <laughs> well, do yeah. it. But um, I didn't know any of this until I... Oh, you didn't know that there no, was a guy following her? until I researched this case. So he was a man that Jordana had pointed out to her friends and family around the shops. He'd pop up at the supermarket in the car park of the shopping centre and he used to hang around a deli in Jesmond where Jordana worked. Now, Jesmond for a Newcastle local, any Newcastle people listening. Mm. Well, no, it's not really that close to Charlestown. Um, Jordana lived in Cardiff, another suburb, mm-hmm. with her mum and dad. It's not even really close to Cardiff, so it's weird to me because later she's changed jobs mm. and worked at a pizza hut in an effort to avoid him, but he found her there. What? Yeah. Where, where was the pizza hut, though? I think it was Charlestown. Oh, so, like, a completely yeah. Like she's moved areas. And he'd so pop up at Charlestown to... Square and stuff, which Jesmond is another shopping centre. See, that's like creepy yeah. serial killer bullshit yeah. to me. The fact that he was popping up in multiple suburbs looking yeah. for her is really creepy to me because they're not next to each other. Well, yeah, and it's like you might, like, as a crazy person, mm. get infatuated with somebody that works at this shop yeah. because you frequent that shopping centre. Yeah, but then if they leave, yeah, and then you're that finding them elsewhere. That suggests you're following them at other times, which is very scary. It's very, I don't like it. I hate it. So <laughs> he figured he would pop up there too. Belinda told News Corp recently that she recalls Jordana 
suddenly asking her to work on the counter at Pizza Hut because she didn't want to serve a bloke who came in. When he left, Jordana said to Belinda, that was the spook. So Belinda saw him a few times. So so Belinda's aware of what he looks like? Yeah. Okay. Um, This story fucks me up completely. So one time, Belinda and Jordana were at the shops there at Just Jeans, trying on clothes, which is the most oh 90s, God, so 90s suburban thing. I, I did it. The I did it in the, of things I in the late Just 90s. Jeans. And oh. like, I don't think I've ever shopped there again. No, it was just this teen thing Yeah, where like Just Jeans was a place to be. It was before General Pants. Yeah, it was Just Jeans yeah. and Sports Girl. Yeah. They were the like places to be. So Jordana came out of the cubicle to get Belinda's opinion on a skirt that she was trying on. And then the spook came out no. of the next cubicle. What? And said, that looks nice. Oh, God. No. Is no. that not the fucking weirdest thing it. you've ever heard? I literally hate that so much. That is because it's not even like he was just there, which would have been terrifying, oh. but he was in the other cubicle. I hate it. Why? I, hate it I mean, so not much. in a judgy way, but like, why didn't she oh. tell anyone? I don't know. Belinda just said that she couldn't have left the shop faster. I of guess course. she's young. I guess as a teenager, you're sort of really weird and awkward and maybe you wouldn't. Yeah, and maybe you're just like, maybe if you're like, oh, my God, there's a guy stalking me, you'd think it sounds like you've got tickets on yourself. Yeah, yeah. In a way. Which is so shit. And she seemed, I didn't know her, but she seemed to, she was like quiet girl. Yeah. She wasn't like Queen Bee kind of vibes. Yes. Like, oh, my God, every guy's obsessed with me. I think she probably didn't even realise how attractive she was and... You know, like even the woman driving past was just like, oh, she's attractive. And look at the way she's walking. Like people were drawn to her, but she probably didn't have any concept of that. Because when you're a teenager, even if you are gorgeous, you have no idea. Yeah, totally. You're just in that weird, awkward phase. Yeah, gangly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm waving my arms arms around. around. Because I was gangly. I was gangly too. And I think that I would never have been confident enough to... No. I wasn't. But looking back, I'm like, that's the hottest I've ever been. <laughs> so oh my I was a God, teenager. I had so huge true. tits. I was skinny, but I had no idea. No idea. No idea. Now I'm like, why can't I be that gangly I again? I want a belly button ring now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Peggy Katevsky, who's Jordana's mum, mm. she also saw the spook in person because Jordana pointed him out at the supermarket. Peggy says he was eyeing off her daughter, but just that in a way that she looked nice and not in a way of like. She thought it was weird, yeah, but it wasn't like a creepy way. It was just like he was appreciating. How did she know it was the spook then? It, um, like in hindsight after hearing, because she's Jordana said that's the spook. So Jordana told her mum yep. it was the spook, and, and her mum wasn't like, and her sister Carolina, and she told Carolina she was afraid of him and felt like she was being watched constantly. <gasps> It's like I don't want to judge these people because no, no, I'm no. not in their heads. I'm not in their lives. Mm. I wasn't there. There's so many factors. No one actually, like, you know, they all seem like they really loved their daughter slash sister slash niece. But, like, what the fuck? I know. And, like... It's like a creepy guy following a teenage girl around, like, she's scared and no one... I know. But went- also, I also don't want to victim blame. But, like, I wouldn't be walking seven minutes by myself yeah, if like, I, I felt like be I was so being scared. watched. Oh, it's so complicated, isn't it? Though? It because is. it's like, like that's I think the thing with victim blaming and and even like people in their lives blaming. That's not a term, but you know, <laughs> is like it's so easy in hindsight because you're mm. hearing all the facts put you're together. Like, oh, there's a guy following her. Yeah, she got abducted. That's like A plus B equals C. Kind yeah, of thing. but you don't. 
you don't know. You're not instantly your mind's going to go to he's going to abduct me. Just yeah, like, totally. He's creepy and likes it me. It could just be a creep, and yeah, and he'll get over it. And yeah. also, what could they have told the police? It's not like he was True. violent or threatening towards her in any way. He said, your skirt looks nice, which is creepy. Yeah. It's so creepy in retrospect because we know what happened to her. Yeah. But in and of itself, the police probably would have been like, you've got no photo of him. Because yes. it's like she couldn't have taken a photo on her phone because there were no phones. So she would have had to get a point and click, point and shoot photo of him. Yeah. Um, so and, like, what also is that thing of – it's that thing of, like, you can get an AVO on someone, mm. that, like an ex-boyfriend or something, yep. where they know who he is. Yeah. But if you don't know the guy, yeah, like, what are they going off? They don't have an identity of him. Oh, so complicated but yeah. so frustrating. Um, so Jordana had actually mentioned his name. So she knew his name. Oh, she knew his name. His first name. What? Oh, his first name. Mm. Okay. But n- – and none because then she gave him the nickname, the spook, which to me like hurts my heart because I can see what she was trying to do. She was trying to make it almost like a joke in oh. her in her brain, in her mind to deal with it. It's like a coping mechanism of I'm going to give him a zesty nickname, the spook, because he scares me. Yeah, but like to just, tone it yeah, down. Yeah, just mind to so like be scared. Yeah. Um. So she never said his name much, but she said it once or twice those who she'd said it to were put under hypnosis by the police but they couldn't recall his name what yeah although um, I guess if she said it a long time ago yeah and like, like I think she said it once like his like name is blah blah and then for the rest of the time the spook the spook the spook and they couldn't remember it for the life oh, of them that's awful that would be so frustrating for I them know. too um, and the, those who saw him said to police that he looked to be in his early 20s and of Middle Eastern appearance he was sometimes seen with a blonde surfy looking friend which okay. as that someone is coming from Newcastle like. <laughs> that is every guy in Newcastle is oh, so, a blonde surfy so a, looking friend uh, uh, yeah <laughs> Also, I really envisioned him as this guy in this movie. And I've been trying to think of what this movie is. I have no idea. Okay. In the movie, it's like a it's like a stalker movie, I'm sure. Mm. And they put this guy in jail. They're like, we've got the guy. Mm. And then it's not the guy. He calls, he calls her. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I know what it is. It's the bodyguard. Fuck. Oh. Okay, in the bodyguard. Yeah. You know how they catch? Yes. The blonde, he's like blonde, he mm-hmm. might be albino. Mm-hmm. He's like white blonde mm-hmm. with like blue, blue, mm-hmm. blue eyes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, <laughs> no. I know, I'm sorry. It's, it's very scary. scary. It's really scary in the movie too. And and then it's not him. And yes. And they're at the like thing. And I don't want to ruin that movie for Ronan because it's a very good movie. And Has if you haven't watched seen it. The uh, I hadn't seen it till I was like 25. Oh, and wow. I'm sad for all the years that I didn't see yeah, it. Because now I reckon I've seen it like 10 times. Yeah. It's so good. Um, but that's not what he looked like. He that's not what he looked like. Looking. Okay, <laughs> so it's completely off. It's quite opposite. He just, had like I've dark just hair. Painted a movie <laughs> scenario over a real life story as usual. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so the point is, is that his mate isn't even someone that you could track down because no, it's literally everyone it was in Newcastle, like every man in Newcastle. There were also some mysterious phone calls. Oh, so about six weeks before Jordana's disappearance, a man called her home, and her mum answered. He said he was calling from a new shop called Gumleaf. Okay. Peggy said Jordana's not home, gave him Belinda's phone number because they were attached at the hip. And she, he called there. Belinda can remember Jordana becoming freaked out 
during the phone call because the man started asking what her swimmers looked like and what size her bra was. Oh, God. So she hung up. When police looked into it after the women told the police after she disappeared, they discovered no shop named Gumleaf ever existed. So it was clearly the spook calling up and being weird. Um... So I mentioned a strike force earlier. Mm-hmm. So that was in 1998, so four years after her disappearance. The strike force failed to turn up any new leads. In 2003, Jordana was legally declared dead with the cause of death as a homicide by person or persons unknown, which is mm. so sad. I know. Because they, I mean, like, it's they like do that. closure in a know. way, but it's yeah. not for the family. It's definitely not. Because they haven't found anything. Yeah. Um, in 2009, the case was briefly reopened when police managed to recover a partial fingerprint from the plastic bag. Oh. They ran it in their database of prints but came up with nothing and closed the case again. But I guess the good news is that print is now in the database. So if it pops up again, then it will be matched. Oh, okay. To the bag. So like if this person does something again. Yes. And they like say a man does something and they take his prints and it will come up as a match to the prints on the bag. But that means he has to do something. Yeah, and it's so like it's, it's just, been so long now. It's annoying. Um, so that's like, that's it, really. That's all they yeah. know. But there's a few kind of theories and suspects okay. that I'll go through that I found through my research. So one is this man named Corey Lovett. So he was questioned at the time in 1994. And at the 2002 inquest, it was found that police had failed to pick up some discrepancies in his alibi. So a man named Craig Pont claimed that Corey Lovett was with him at his property at Kipax, which is near Tari, when Jordana disappeared. But Lovett himself told police there that he was in Newcastle at the time of Jordana's disappearance. Charlestown detectives took a statement from two people in 1994 who said that Lovett was with them in Newcastle but didn't go to Charlestown where Jordana was abducted. Newcastle's not that big, Mm. I feel like. And you're not going to keep tabs on your visitor? Yeah, so it's like he could have definitely yeah, gone somewhere. I feel like he might have. It's just a bit murky. But then I looked into this so much because mm. I'd never heard of this guy or that he was a person of interest. Um, the inquest heard that he'd boasted about knowing where Jordana's body was buried Oh, from people, like people reported this, and said that she went through a lot before they finished her off, which mm. is disgusting. Um, Why would you be saying that? So the... The latest I could find was from 2003. They were still looking for this Corey Lovett man. Oh, so they can't, like, they don't know where he is. I can't find any other details of how that search panned out. And clearly, it's not like they went. It was him because I haven't, I couldn't find anything else. And it's, that was 15 years ago. So that's weird. I don't, maybe they could find him. It's really weird. So there's also, and when I saw on the front of the paper her name and her photo, she was also with some other people I recognised from living in Newcastle, mm. who was some other people who've gone missing from the region, Hunter region. Um, ten young people in total all disappear within a 16-year period. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah, which we kind of hear, we kind of hear, they kind of bring it up when there's these inquests and strike forces and they're just known to you and you live there. Mm. Um, and they're originally suspicions that the abductions were the work of a serial killer. In fact, Ivan Malat was briefly oh, linked God. to these people um, after his arrest for the backpacker murders since he lived and worked in Newcastle in the 70s and 80s. But obviously Jordana went missing 
um, in the 90s and I think he was already in prison, so he had nothing to do with her. Yeah. But her case in particular has been strongly linked to three of the abductions from this group Mm. that they've grouped together. So 14-year-old Amanda Robinson, 18-year-old Robin Hickey and 20-year-old Leanne Goodall, they all disappear within four months of each other between December 1978 and April 1979. They were last seen getting off buses or waiting at bus stops along the Pacific Highway. Okay, and she went missing. Just that road she had to cross to get home. Um, No traces of those women have ever been found. Um, I mean, there's that whole thing with Malat, isn't there, that there's like this sort of discussion of was he operating in a group? Were there other people involved? Mm. Was it just him yep. and all of that kind of thing? So I guess there is that chance that even if yeah. he didn't do... Yeah, he denies having anything to do with yeah. these. But, like, but he denies everything. He's yeah. denied the backpacker murder. So, so. Um, and he was around. Like, he was around the 70s and 80s. And this yeah. that's when the 10 people, the 16-year period is in the 70s and 80s yeah. where all these women went missing. But those three were really strongly linked because of the geographical yeah. and the similarities of, like, they were last seen at bus stops. Um, just this year, um, former state coroner John Abernethy, who presided over the inquest and the strike force Fenwick review of the cases. So Fenwick was also those three girls. Yes. And Jordana. He spoke to a News Corp journo to say he believes that those four were the work of one person or group. So he believes that there's yeah. a serial killer, he just doesn't know who. Yeah. So journalist Amelia Saw asked him if he thought the cases were linked, and he said, I quote, of course I do. You can't say for sure, but of course I do. You've got to look at them as a package. Yeah. Just because of the geographical thing. I'm not sure because it seems to me like someone was following Jordana. And yeah. They, she wasn't, like, on the Pacific Highway, which is quite public, and you'd be driving. But if you were, like, this is so disgusting. But if you were, like, a creepy rapist or murderer mm. and you are just, like... And Ted Bundy says that he used to do this, for example. He would just want to... He'd have, have a compulsion to kill someone. So he would just go driving oh looking God, for someone. So, so it was, like, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. To me, Jordana doesn't feel like that because of the way that car went and stopped and waited for her. Yeah, and... And, like, the chances of seeing her at that very moment crossing the Pacific Highway and going into that street are very minor, whereas someone waiting at a bus stop, like, I waited at a bus stop for 20 minutes. Yeah. drove past and saw someone and then circled back, like... Well, it's also because, like, you were saying those three were in the 70s, right? Yeah. Or 80s. Yeah. And this is the early 90s. Yeah. So it's kind of like why... I know they why sometimes wait? do stop yeah. for periods. Like, um, the Golden State Killer yeah. would stop for periods. But yeah. it was like then he would restart mm. and commit multiple crimes. Mm. It wasn't like, just I'm just going to go and yeah. rape and murder one person. It was like, I will commit multiple... Yeah, like a spree. ...acts. Mm. Yeah, like a spree. So it's kind of like, it seems weird to go three almost back to back mm. then nothing for like 15 mm. years and then one yeah and then nothing yeah like that just seems mm. it seems like an anomaly like I feel like I totally believe those three, three men yeah. were Linked. one yeah. person but whether Jordana was is yeah I feel like it's almost a coincidence that she I was feel like in it's that a coincidence same area. too um and like the Pacific Highway as well is like a major road mm. obviously but because it's a major road there's a lot of people crossing it you know like yes, i don't know like yeah. it just it's not like a, a small a lot of road. small streets coming off it mm. um 
there's also so after this article's published earlier this year, this was a few months ago, mm. the News Corp article, an unnamed woman and her son contacted the journalist that wrote the story to point the finger at a male relative. They said he molested several people in their family and also had child pornography. Wait, in, in Jordana's family? No. no. So these people are in just their like own family. unrelated. Okay. Um, but he, the connection is, after Jordana went missing in her photo that I said was iconic and is everywhere in mm. Newcastle, just you couldn't go anywhere without seeing it at the time. And then it's popped up in you know when they've done um, inquests and stuff. So after her disappearance, he spoke inappropriately about her photo and was open about his desire for her. Oh, gross. He also, like, you don't do that. If it's someone, like, missing, you're not like, oh, she's not, like, that's yeah, so weird. weird. You go, it's oh, my God, that's behavior. so sad, or she was so beautiful. Yeah. But not, like, he spoke about, like, his sexual desire for her. He also, according to these two family members, looked a lot like the identikit sketch of one of the suspects. So, like, the boys and Audrey Barnard yeah. told police what they saw and... Yeah. There, I'll put it in the Facebook group. There's, like, a photo of the suspect. Well, not photo, you know, the drawing. drawing, yeah. Um, so he looked kind of like that. He also had a 17-year-old girlfriend at the time who looked uncannily like Jordana and they'd just broken up and he wasn't dealing with it well mm. just prior to her disappearance. Not only that, but in 1994, he drove a white ute. Oh, okay. They couldn't remember their model, specifically being a Hilux. So there's all this kind of circumstantial evidence. Yeah. Um, this woman told the journo that she had contacted Crime Stoppers about a decade ago to provide this information, but it was never followed up with her, and the man has never been questioned in relation to the case. Yeah, I mean, I guess they get a lot of leads. Yeah, and it does—I don't know—that doesn't sound convincing to me. Mm. Like, it's I guess coincidences always, again. Yeah, and they always look for like, what's the actual, like, what's a connect. A, a motive, like a, yeah. like a connection here, mm. and it's kind of like this guy that, well, you know, had like a, a obviously had a history of abuse, mm. but was limited to his family at that yeah. time, and then said some creepy shit about yeah. a photo, dated a seventeen-year-old. Mm, all of that is kind of like, you know. He's obviously a piece of shit. Yeah. But like... But maybe an unrelated piece of yes, shit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think it's someone that had been following her because... It's the, absolutely the spook. Yeah. I don't... It's the spook. Yeah. I don't think I can legally say that, but it is. <laughs> but we spook. don't know who he is, so... <laughs> yes, it's the spook. Yeah. Because it has to be the spook. The way they followed her, the way the boys said the car went down the hill and then turned and mm. parked creeps me out. That yeah, really like creeps me out. Like it, like it was lying in wait for her. Oh yuck! I hate it so much. But who's this other guy? So you think the other guy would be the blonde sir? The blonde sir, and he like helped him because he was often with him. Okay. Um, went like Belinda and Peggy. I think especially Belinda. I think she hung out with Jordana more than her mum was with her and saw the spook and his blonde surfy friend who didn't have a zesty nickname but he was often with him yeah so it's clearly to me like he's like finally like I need to do something about my creepy obsession oh yeah and roped his mate into it and the way Audrey Barnard said they were talking in an animated fashion yeah it was almost like he was like geeing him up or like one of them was freaking out about it um 
It's awful. It's so awful. Do you think this is such a macabre thought? It's a very dark thought from Mel Mason. Um, you know, it's freaky is like if these people did do it mm. and, well, whoever did it is still out there. Yeah. So there's that. Someone knows And, something. like, do you reckon they listen to true crime podcasts about their own? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. It just came Why into my head. Listening? I'm sorry, but, like, can, like, don't you think that would be a serial killer thing to do? Yeah, because you're so fucked up. Because get off on that. Um, yes. Absolutely. Like, they do it for attention and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, that, well, that's it. And they always, like, you know, like, that is the serial killer. self into the case. Yes. And the investigation. I think they would fucking listen to this. Oh, my which God. Which I hate. I hope not. I'm so sorry. I really shouldn't have said that. But also it's true. Mm. I just think that is what... Yeah, because you'd want to know what information they have, if anything. Like, I just also think you'd be a sick fuck and you just want to hear mm. other people talking about the case mm. and trying to work out what happened because you got away with it. Yeah. Which is so shit. And that's why I think, like, coming back to that whole thing about podcasts and docos mm. and the true crime, you know, making a murder a serial, all of that that started this kind of craze, you know, craze essentially, like, people can critique true crime fascination with, like, oh, it's just sick because people yeah. died. But at the same time, look at all these amazing, like, breakthroughs, mm. this kind of, you know, Amateur kind of smoothing yeah. and just re- armchair detectives are reopening. Mm. Like, like at the very least, at least it's shining light back on yeah. cases that kind of were out of the spotlight. Yeah, you know, because leads dried up. Yeah, um, that's why I was like, let's do this one. Yeah, because it's not as famous. So maybe someone knows someone yeah. or something. And or, it wasn't that long ago. No, actually, our my best mate. Reminded me that in our year at school was Jordana Katevsky's cousin. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I really wanted to do it in a respectful yeah. way and not, you know, like do it justice. Yeah, I, I think you don't did. want to think I'm just doing it for fun because it's not. But really, like every young person and every parent in Newcastle at the time, like I remember going to the library with mum we had this little tradition every friday night we'd go to the library me and my brother and mum and get all our books for the weekend oh my god that's so sad then we'd go okay. to the- <laughs> oh. i mean it's just nerdy it's cute it's so that's, cute i love it a lot i'm telling you like I'm a so nice sorry. story and then it's we'd so go lovely. to the takeaway shop and get like junk food and that was like our little friday tradition <laughs> i was nine like we didn't have anything to do it's so cute that you got your books for yeah the weekend. our books i've always been a big reader Mum got me into that because she's a big reader <laughs> and so was my brother. And I remember my mum talking to the librarian about it because you know how there's newspapers at the library? Yep. And I can remember them like talking in like hushed tones about Jordana and, and the disappearance and how sad it was and maybe the the librarian, like I feel like she knew someone that knew the family well, and they were just would. like, yeah, because it, it did. Like I didn't even know that this girl we went to school with was her cousin so there's all these connections. And I was telling Dad the other day that I was going to do this case for the podcast. Dad barely knows what a podcast is, but <laughs> he's trying to be supportive. Um, and he said, yeah, his best friend worked with Peggy Katevsky yeah. at the time when oh, it happened. Yeah, so many connections. So there are, yeah. It would have been so terrifying, though, because, like, I don't – obviously didn't grow up in Newcastle, but the way you're talking about it with, like, a couple of suburbs over from your suburb and so on mm. would – I think be the equivalent of something happening in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, which mm. is where I grew up. 
and something happening in, you know, like we lived in Bondi and something happening in Vaucluse would yeah. be, you know, I went to school in Vaucluse, yeah. for example. Like that's very close. Yeah, it's And eerie. so it's that thing of it's it's kind of like in a city you've got those kind of village atmosphere of like yeah. the suburb connections. Yeah. And, you know, for people that lived in Bondi, anything that happened all the way through to like, you know, probably like Maroubra. Yeah. And then like when the um, – no, that was Cronulla riots. So there were Maroubra riots as well, weren't there? There was something that happened in Maroubra. Probably. There was something that happened in Maroubra as well on the beach. Yeah. And I remember we were like all like, oh, my God, it's going to be like Bondi next, you know, yeah. like because of the proximity. Yeah. And you don't know if it's a one-off. No, this, you don't. This, I think, was. I don't yeah, think it's connected I agree. to the other three. But what if, like, two other girls had gone missing within those weeks? Like, yeah. every parent of a teenage girl at that time living around Adamstown where I'm from, Charlestown, Cardiff would have been like on high alert. And it's not like it's not um, that anyone ever deserves that to happen to them ever. No. Right? Like blanket no. Mm. But I think there's that fear that would go for parents Mm. and for kids in that area of a good girl Mm. coming from a good family Mm. who's just walking like, you know, not – you know, She's like not putting herself in a dangerous no, situation. Not at all. It wasn't and a dangerous like, suburb. Exactly. Like it's it's where it happened and how it happened is so like innocuous yeah. that you would be terrified because it yes, could happen to anyone was, anywhere. Yeah. It's not like you can say to your kids, Okay, you're not going to parties at night. Yeah. Or okay, you're not like you know, mm. like what you're gonna say to them, you can't walk like thirty meters from yeah. like school to home or whatever you know like it's just insane I know and it's like it's that thing and I think about it sometimes and then I get really scared especially when I was reading the Golden State Killer book because he did watch people yeah like reconnaissance work um and I well I don't want to say now on a podcast but certain habits and routines that I have I'm like you could watch me for a week and know exactly where I was going to be on a certain day at a certain time because of like exercise that I go and do and like walks that I go on it's like that freaks me out oh totally and you're not you're not looking around going, and she knew that someone was watching her and following her but she clearly didn't want to live a life like oh I'm scared I'll get a lift from Betty even though it's like two seconds away to my yeah. auntie's place and then that happened to her and I it know. sucks you shouldn't have to be constantly like he's gonna Vigilant. abduct me yeah well, and that's the thing, and you. I think we're always weighing up, you know, like our safety, as, mm. especially as women. Mm. We're always like analysing whether something is like safe yeah. enough to do, and that's what I think I mean is like nobody. Like it's that whole coming back to that whole thing, that whole conversation, like the Jill Ma conversation of like, you know, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that and you shouldn't walk home from the bar and you shouldn't, you know, which is bullshit. It's absolute yeah. bullshit. We should not should put be ever. Able to, yeah, you should be able to do whatever the fuck you want mm. within reason. And so, but then there's that added fear because those situations, you know, as shit as it is as women, we still are hyper aware in mm. those kinds of... And we have to be. And we have to be. Yeah. But then in that situation, it was such a non-event. Mm. Like, I would have done that. Yeah. I, I would have done that, that at 10 yeah. years old, yeah. to be honest. Like, there's... it. It's just walking down to your aunt's yeah. house. Yeah. And suburban street. Yeah. We did it all the time. Like, even after this happened. Yeah. Like, there was no kind of choice for my mum because she was a single mum and she couldn't be everywhere at any given yeah. time. So I walked home from school every day, every yeah. single day, from year five to year 12, mm. pretty much. 
It's wild. I know. It's really sad. And I really hope that they get some closure, the family. Yeah, I hope. I really hope that fingerprint comes up yeah, at some point. I hope they figure out who did it and he can, you know, at mm. least have the guts to own up to it and say where, you know, she is because she's not alive. I mean, yeah. That's awful. That's a, that was a grim one. Yeah, it was grim. But, it's, but good. I'm glad, like, I'm glad I did you it. You did a good job is what I mean. It's one that's um, kind of stayed with me for a long time. Yeah. And I'll always remember her name. Every yeah. time, yeah, I see it, I'm just like, oh, God, I just I just want that family to get some peace and closure. Yeah. Because it's just not right what happened to them and affected yeah. them, like the auntie and uncle saw the car and they'd, that, yeah, that they'd was live so with that always. Um, yeah, so <sighs> that's Jordana Katevsky. Yeah, wow. What case are you going to do next? Well, not grim. <laughs> I mean, it's grim, but it's old, so therefore it's becomes less grim. I am doing my favourite haunted house in the entire uh, I'm world. I'm scared. I'm so easily scared. You are so, you're going to be so scared. I'm going to be so fucking freaked out. I'm going to tell you my personal story of going there and the weird no. supernatural things that happened to me. So it's the Monte Cristo homestead. It's oh got God. multiple, there's several fucked up weird crimes connected to it. Yep. And mysteries, mm. ghosts, mm. paranormal mm. Weird old mm. ladies that open the door for Don't. you. I had so many no. things. I'm not going to tell you anymore. I'm not going to listen. I can't I'm not going to tell you about here. it. It'll just be male talking. I'm like I shaking. I'm like shaking my shoulders like it's like a fucking macarena. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad we can have like something a little bit more zesty. Well, yeah, I feel like we need to go yeah. back to some sort of fun Lithgow panthery vibes. Yeah, just to break up because we've, yeah. we've done a few sad ones. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Cool. Well. Until then, guys. Until then, make sure you join our group. Yeah, if you come, want. come talk to us in our group. We just yeah. want attention all the time, yeah. and we want to chat to people about this shit. Yeah. So, and if you know, if you have, if you're from Newcastle, if you can remember this yes. case, I'll put a couple of photos in there, and we can chat. But yeah. Anyway, that's us. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>